Hey, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I am so super psyched to have this interview up for you. I got to talk to one of my new but dear friends, Sean Stevenson. I was on his podcast a few weeks ago or months ago. I don't know. Time is time. Time just goes by so fast. It could have been weeks. It could have been months, but it was such a great talk, such a great interview. And so many of you came over to this show from the Model Health Show. So those of you who don't know who Sean Stevenson is, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is on a mission to help you become the strongest, healthiest, happiest version of yourself. And that was something he had to do in his own life. He's overcome a lot. He spent the first half of his childhood in a quiet suburban neighborhood with all the love and attention that a child could ask for, and then spent the second half of his childhood growing up in some of the most dangerous parts of the inner city, surrounded by gangs, drugs, alcohol, and violence on a daily basis. Then at age 20, he was diagnosed with a devastating illness. It was an incurable spinal condition known as degenerative disc disease. Essentially, his spine was deteriorating far faster than it was supposed to. And according to his doctor at the time, he had the spine of an 80-year-old, even though he was just a young college kid. But that's really what started to change how he looked at his life, how he looked at himself, and how he looked at the power of his belief systems. Until then, he put all his belief on what the doctors were telling him, that nothing could be done and he just needed to manage the disease. It wasn't until he stopped accepting that nothing could be done and instead shifted his focus on what he must do that his health and well-being improved. Sean's got an incredible story and an incredible body of work. He's the best-selling author and creator of The Model Health Show, featured as the number one health podcast on iTunes with millions of listener downloads each year. He's a graduate of the University of Missouri. He studied business, biology, and kinesiology and went on to be the founder of the Advanced Integrative Health Alliance, a company that provides wellness services for individuals and organizations worldwide. He's been featured in all kinds of stuff, Entrepreneur Magazine, Men's Health Magazine, ESPN, Fox, so much. To learn more, visit themodelhealthshow.com and be sure to listen to his podcast because it's real good. We also reference a podcast episode he recently put up called Eight Signs You Need to Move On from a Relationship. And I'll link that up in the show notes as well. So listen up, listen in to my awesome chat with the one and only Sean Stevenson. Sean, I am so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. It is my complete and total pleasure to be here. And I want to thank you because you had me on your show a few, maybe a month or two ago, which was so mm-hmm. much fun. And so many of your listeners have come over to listen to this podcast. So hello to all of them. And thank you so much for bringing them into our community. First of all, hey, everybody. Second of all, Uh, this was one of the episodes with you that there's only been like five episodes and we've done like almost 300 shows and literally thousands of people go back and like listen to the very first shows each and every week. And so many people were messaging me saying that they listened to your interview two or three times Mm. because you were just dropping the gems. It was so good. So good. (laughs) Well, it's mutual. It's, it's so awesome to be interviewed by someone who's one so well-prepared and so like-minded. You and I think a lot alike, uh, are passionate about the same things and, and really attract and connect with the same kind of people. So it's, I love that our tribes are coming together and because that's what's happening now. Like it's so cool to, to see this the consciousness and and people that are just so committed to to growth and wellness 
of all kinds, not just physical wellness, but mental, emotional, spiritual, relational wellness. And you are definitely one of the trailblazers in that. So glad we're finally connected and excited to dive in about all the cool things we're going to talk about. Yes. So one of the things, so Sean and I were kind of chit-chatting a little bit before because he's a wealth of information. And I was like, gosh, what do I, where do I even start with him? Because we could talk about anything because he knows so much. But I asked him what he's most passionate about talking about. And you're going to love the two areas we go into on this episode. And the first one is about our thoughts. And on our coaching calls that are played every Wednesday, I talk a lot about how our thoughts create a reality. We talk a lot about belief systems. And Sean, I'd love you just to riff a little bit about how, because I think we know our thoughts matter, but sometimes I don't think we know how much they actually matter in terms of not just creating our reality, but affecting our health and changing our brain chemistry. Yeah. You know what? What's so fascinating is that You know, when we think about our thoughts, we think about these kind of fleeting, strange, intangible things. But the reality is this, and this is kind of like a sobering moment when we realize like our thoughts actually have physical structure, right? Our thoughts actually have physical real estate in our brains, you know, and to understand also, you know, our thoughts, not only do they affect our reality, but they affect our, like our physical state as well. And so what I want people to really walk away with today, number one, is understanding that every single thought carries a correlating chemistry with it. You know, your thoughts are chemistry in your body. And, you know, today we have an epidemic, you know, we're seeing 400% increase in prescribed uh, antidepressant medications. Just the last, the last 20 years, 400%. All right. It's, it's astronomical. And the question is like, are we just more and more broken right now? Like what's happening? What's going on? And we we both know this, that it's more so an issue with not appropriately managing the root cause, mm-hmm. right? And, and a, a big, you know, today we live in a time of the greatest connection, but the least connection in a way and meaningful relationships and also meaningful understanding of ourselves. You know, we're so distracted from even listening to our own in, internal intelligence. And so that's just kind of the way out for a lot of people because that's what the offer is. And I, I don't want to get a ta- into a tangent on that, but I just want people to understand the most powerful, the most powerful, I want people to really get this, pharmacy in the world is located in your brain, mm-hmm. all right? Because, well, let's take a SSRI, for example, you know, a serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, right? Very popular antidepressant medication. This one is addressing serotonin. Specifically, you know, it's basically helping serotonin to stay more active in your body, right? It's not necessarily making your body produce more, but it's just like making sure it stays around so your body's not metabolizing it too quickly, right? And so the question is, well, if serotonin is an issue, if it's an important kind of neurotransmitter that makes me feel good, how do I produce more of it? How do I make sure that that's optimized? And the craziest thing is the simple things in life that we're so deficient in increase your, your serotonin. Check this out. I'm going to increase my serotonin right now. You're not going to be able to see me, but I'm doing it. Okay. I am doing it right now. I'm smiling. Oh, right. I thought maybe Even you were thinking just, about Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, man. See, don't, let's not open that door. Let's not open that door. But even the physical act of smiling 
is connect. There's certain uh, there are hundreds of muscles that are involved in you in you smiling, by the way. And these are connected to um, to to literally like um, uh, nerve endings. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I couldn't even think of the word endings. I was like nerve beginnings. Nerve beginnings. <laughs> but your nerves, specific nerve endings that connect your smile to your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got these nerve endings that branch out throughout your entire physiology, even down to your toes. All right. So but the act of smiling engages. It's like a, you've heard this statement. Pe- people have said many times of muscle memory. Right. This muscle memory. So the act of smiling is something even babies do. Right. And it's related directly to a state of happiness or or pleasure. Right. Or contentment. Mm. And so it's hardwired into us that when we smile, those nerve pathways fire and we produce more correlating endorphins, serotonin, all those good things. And so it's kind of hard. It's really hard for you to smile and to be mad, you know. And of, of course, like we can all get a little like psychotic and that crazy and be like, okay, you know, you smiling, yeah. but you're really thinking about, you know, tripping somebody or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, just in a general sense, even taking control of that, being aware that, you know, so this is one of my practices, you know, even when I meditate in the morning is I, I'm a big smiler. So I'm smiling during my meditation. It makes me that. feel good. You I know? love and, that. Yeah. And it does. I, I actually, this past weekend, I had such a good weekend. And the main reason I had such a good weekend is because I laughed a lot. We mm. actually got a group of friends together and played improv on Saturday mm. night. And Ooh. it was hilarious and so much fun. And I woke up the next morning high, just completely yeah. high because I had laughed so much. And I think we make, quote unquote, being happy too complicated sometimes. You know, we, there, we think there's all this stuff we need to do and all these core issues we need to remove and uh, we need a different house or we need to lose 20 pounds or whatever it is. But joy and pleasure and laughter and smiling is often the best medicine. Oh, there's a great uh, Irish proverb that says the two best cures for anything are a good laugh and a long sleep. Mm. Right. And this like serious medicine, you know, and so actively engaging in that and just like this is just one tiny tip. Let's talk about where is serotonin even residing in your body. Right. We think it's like our happiness has to do with our head. Mm -hmm. But over 80 percent of our serotonin is located in our gut. All right. So this is literally a gut check. And and Sean, can you just pause for a second and just, if people don't know what serotonin is, maybe just define Mm -hmm. it briefly and how it works. Sure. So this is a simple, so we've got hormones and we have neurotransmitters. So hormones are related to your endocrine system, right? And so these are your endocrine organs that produce these various hormones. And these are chemical messengers that enable your cells to talk to each other, right? But neurotransmitters, this has to do with your nervous system, your brain. So there's a lot of neuro tissue in your belly, right? Mm-hmm. And so these are kind of like specific pathways, signals for activity, all right, if that makes sense. So serotonin, uh, again, it's a neurotransmitter, but it kind of has some functions like a hormone in that it also communicates other, it's like a domino effect in how it operates in your system. And so having so much in your gut. And so these are, they're called interchromaffin cells that produce uh, various related neurotransmitters and hormones. But serotonin, specifically in your gut, we have to understand this one thing, and then we're going to part ways. We don't make the whole show about this. And by the way, of course, we've got entire episodes of my show dedicated to this stuff. 
But we we have to take care of that internal environment in our belly. And this is also why like certain delicacies or treats make us feel good, right? So if we're like having a stressful day and just like eat a piece of chocolate cake, like your body's kind of compelled to do that because you actually get a little bit of a serotonin hit from that. But the thing is, it's kind of like an insulin resistance thing that can happen. If you're continuously firing that button, it can stop having the same effect of happiness and elation. And you need more and more. And so what we want to do is take care of our gut environment by, you know, predominantly eating real high quality food we can actually recognize, but still being aware, like specifically carbohydrates. There's a lot of, you know, and I've done I've done them and I've researched and shared and written reports on all these various diets. I mean, everything from a vegan diet to a keto diet. And so today, a lot of people are, are doing the keto thing, pulling out carbs. But it's one of those specific things that macronutrients specifically makes you produce more serotonin. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want people to keep that in mind. Last thing I'll share with the serotonin is, you know, when we think about our environment or like um, happy, happy environment, a lot of us tend to think about sunshine, blue skies, you know, just that kind of vibe. Well, sunlight literally just by touching your skin causes you to produce more serotonin, mm-hmm. right? And so when I actually put a, a study about this in, in, in my book, Sleep Smarter, that just that interaction and getting out in, with sun exposure helps to kind of set the pace for producing more serotonin and also reducing your cortisol later in the day. So uh, I'm going to wrap this point with this. You said something really important and how people overcomplicate happiness. And, and so this is where I want to shift things is we have all of these prerequisites for when we can be happy when re- in reality, it's literally decision away. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of those. And I think we might've talked about this too, but just like, um, when this happens, then I'll be happy. Yep. Right. Once I get to this particular thing, once I accomplish this, if I could just get this done, then I'll have time to be happy when happiness isn't something, it's not a destination. Right. And I believe it was Wayne Dyer who first heard this from, but happiness is the way. Yeah. Right. It's the way to it. And you can gracefully enjoy the process uh, on the way to getting towards your goal. I love that. I love that. And one of the things that really gets in our way of happiness, and this is something we talk about on the show a lot, is our self talk. And it's almost an epidemic how pervasive the inner critic is for most people that it just goes and goes and goes and goes, that negative self-talk, the negative thinking. What does that do to our chemistry and our body? Oh, man, listen, uh, a stressful thought. You know, some of us are, are, you know, we're bred to be worriers, you know, and there's an evolutionary advantage to that. Like we need people in the tribe who are like worried about things and looking out, you know, and it's, but today it can really gum us up because our minds are so infinite And there are so many potential problems that never existed before. Like you can literally worry yourself right into obesity or diabetes or cancer, you know, and there are sound studies. I mean, tremendous amounts of studies documented that show that stress is a huge underlying component. As a matter of fact, over 90% of physician visits today are for stress-related illnesses. Mm. And so understanding that a, a, a stress, a significantly stressful thought what are you going to do? You're going to produce more stress-related hormones, all right? So you're literally changing your chemistry based on your thoughts. So, you know, thinking about uh, a loved one who might be in some particular trouble or, or they might be, uh, you know, you might be worried for their safety, 
even though it might not be real, just the thought alone starts to elicit or evoke these various changes in our hormones, all right? So we've got cortisol, norepinephrine, uh, epinephrine. There's so many that we could talk about. You've got around 50 plus that we are aware of today. I believe that there's more. And it's just this chemical soup that you are largely dictating. But mm. the thing is, we're doing most of it is unconscious, right? Because we have our habitual thought patterns, right? The things that we tend to revert to, you know? So when a stressful situation happens, uh, people who tend to be depressed get depressed. People who tend to get angry get angry. People who tend to look for the bright side of the situation, they tend to do that. You know, so it's going back and what is your default? And that's where I want people to do the work. But that takes, that takes work. Yeah. You know, it's not something that definitely happens overnight. Awareness starts the process. But then you want to eventually mold yourself to, to getting into a space where you can realize in the moment when a stressful situation or a negative thing is happening, and you can, I don't, I'm not, we're not getting like super warm and fuzzy with the uh, looking at the bright side, but finding the value in it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so mm -hmm. what I like to do is direct people towards questions, right? Questions determine our thoughts, really questions determine how our brains operate in a way, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's certain regions of the brain that respond to questions, you know, your reticular activating system, for example, it guides your focus. So when the stressful situation comes up, you know, maybe it's, uh, a tough deadline or a deal didn't go through or, you know, somebody in a relationship did something that really hurt you. It's asking in those moments of stress, you know, maybe something going on with your kids, but taking a moment as quickly as you can and asking, what is this trying to teach me? Right. What is this trying to teach me? Or a question like what quality is wanting to be developed in me? Right because all of these challenging situations have an intrinsic gift in them somewhere, you know, and how quickly you can wake up to that is how quickly you can shift that chemistry. Mm, I love that. And what would you say to someone who's listening who might be thinking, but I have three kids and a job and it's not that easy for me. Welcome to my life. You just detailed <laughs> my life. All right. Yes. I have three kids. I have my own company. I have this uh, number one health podcast. I write books. I travel speaking. I was just on the road for two weeks. I was in Bermuda. I mean, uh, the Bahamas, St. Martin, San Diego. I know. Okay. I understand. There is so much going on, but I'm telling you what, even all those things that I listed, and there's more, by the way, because I love my wife. I love her. I love being around her. I spend as much time as possible with her, and it's a lot. I spend a lot of time with my kids that love them so much. How am I able to do all this stuff? It's because I have priorities for them, right? We have time. We all have time for what's most important to us. There's a lot of stuff I'm not doing that I, that I didn't name, but they're not as important to me, mm. you know? And so it's not a matter of time or, or capability. It's a matter of decision. It's a matter of what actually matters most to you, you know, because and guess what? I still was, I was at the gym today as well. You know, this is a, we, we have time. We all have the same 24. All right. Beyonce doesn't have 25. She doesn't have 26 <laughs> hours. All right. We all have the same amount of time. It's just, it's not even managing time. By the way, I want to clear up this, this discernment as well, because there's a lot of courses out there. Books talk about time management, right? You got to, we got to manage time. We got to manage. You can't manage time. You can't. Time is just going to happen. Yep. Time doesn't care about you, right? What we have to think about 
is managing ourselves. Right. We have to manage ourselves within this construct of time because it's still a made up thing in a way. You know, we all kind of agreed upon, right? It's four o'clock, right? You know, right, right. It's not, it's, it's just something that we collectively use for communication. But how we operate in that, it really is about decisions and priorities. It's really that simple. Yep. Yep. I agree. And I think it, it's also about self-honoring choices. I think that we often don't make ourselves a priority and we don't make self-honoring choices. And, and that gets us in a cycle of doing, 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 doing. And a lot of times what I have found is that we outsource our sense of worthiness and validation based on how much we do, what we do for others. And it takes a healthy relationship with ourselves to actually make those priorities and go, you know what? I deserve this and I'm better for everybody that I love when I actually take care of me first. And it's a tough one. It's a tough one, especially for moms, but I've seen it over and over again when people make those kind of self-honoring choices and are uh, more discerning with their time. Like for me, example, for example, if somebody wants to have a breakfast meeting with me, I'm like, nope, sorry. Or they want to do a call in the morning or a meeting. I'm like, nope, sorry. Cause that's my time to really take care of myself. Cause I know that makes me better for everyone. So that's a belief that we have to switch is that it's not selfish to make these kind of self-honoring choices because in the end it makes you better for everything and everyone in your life. Oh man, this is huge, huge part of my work and my practice. And the, the majority of the patients I worked with is probably right around 65, 70% uh, women. And so this was something I consistently saw. And I got very good at reverse engineering this issue because you just said it, there's a lot of apprehension because there's a natural tendency. And there's a, a lot of guys who have the tendency as well to be very selfless. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, but you can't be selfless and help other people if you're messed up. True. All right. Especially at the level that you could be doing it. And so what I did was just bring a lot of logic to the situation, you know, because it's just like, you know, uh, your kids are your reason or your excuse that you're using why you're not taking care of yourself. But who, how are you showing up for them? Yep. You know, your kids don't want you. They want the best you. Yep. Right. Your kids yep. don't want the rundown, irritated you know, sick even, you know? And so this was, when they get to me, a lot of times they're dealing with diabetes or cancer or whatever the case might be. And so we're addressing these issues and shifting. I don't want life to have to force you to do this. Yeah, that's right. right. Because you have a choice and uh, that's why I do what I do now. And I don't do the clinical work anymore. I'm out here advocating like, let's, let's cut this off at the pass, but we're going to make this in a like serious captain obvious way so that you finally (laughs) get this. All right. So when it comes to this, this idea of, you know, being able to do these wonderful things for ourselves, we have to look at why don't we do it, all right? And the big thing that comes up is there's an associated guilt. As crazy as it sounds, to take care of yourself, people tend to carry a lot of guilt because mm-hmm. they could be fill in the blank. They could be whatever for the kids. And this guilt, there, and I think that every single one of our emotions, by the way, when we're talking about, I don't want to... I never want us to get into a place where we're being neurotic about thinking positive thoughts all the time because that is not healthy, all right? That is not beneficial to anybody. All of our emotions hold value Mm -hmm. and they can be an indication. Like, so even guilt, it has a value, but we want to be mindful of what it's trying to teach us, you know? And so with that associated guilt, looking at, okay, that doesn't feel good, but is it logical? 
Because a lot of times our guilt is not even logical, right? You know, um, because our kids, a lot of times, they're not even thinking about the fact that you need to work out, right? Or whatever it might be, you know? So that's number one, looking at why don't we do it? And then more so, the, the biggest part of my focus is in looking at the value, you know, the features and benefits that you get, you know, by taking care of you. And the main thing is, and I think we talked about this as well, uh, you and I, but it's this, it's this P word, all right? Permission, mm-hmm. all right? Permission is incredibly important. And so getting yourself to a place where you can give yourself permission to actually love and value yourself as crazy as it sounds, because we're so external motivated, right? We're so external focused, especially when you have little ones or they can be big ones uh, or just people that are, you, you feel responsible for, you know, and we all step up and we get, you know, step into the plate, but especially moms, yep. you know, especially moms and will run themselves right into the ground to make sure their kids get to, you know, violin, soccer practice, basketball practice, and the Girl Scouts, right? And that's just one kid, by the way, what I just named. And that, that's a true story for some people. And they don't even mention the, what the other kids have going on. So number one, how do we get to a place where we can do all this stuff? You have to take care of you first. So I, I created the mandate for most of the people that I worked with that the most effective way to go about that is having your me time first thing, right? Because kids inherently, like they throw the best curveballs, all right? They're like MLB <laughs> level curveball throwers, all right? And so if you're up in the mix and you're like planning on, okay, once I do this or, you know, before I pick the kids up, you know, something somewhere is going to happen. But if you can get up and get that morning time uh, for yourself where you do your, you know, your exercise or, you know, just even just sitting and having a cup of coffee, Right. And maybe just writing, doing a crossword puzzle, whatever it might be for you, but creating something that's a ritual. You have to have self-care rituals, right? And basic stuff. I find that if you just do simple, we don't got to, I don't even like people doing a lot of things at one time, but just taking on one or two positive habits Mm -hmm. and just becoming really good at those. So one great positive habit, simple thing, and this is for me, non-negotiable. I've done this every single day for the past 15 years. First thing when I wake up in the morning is I drink water, all right? And this is about, you know, 20 to 30 ounces first thing in the morning to give myself an inner bath, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I call it, an inner bath. And now I've kind of pushed that in the culture, so people are saying this now. Because of this, like, and even moms, well, let's be real. Sometimes you get in a situation where you're not even bathing, all right? Right. I've seen seen it. I've been there. All right. A couple of days go by. You got the <laughs> yoga pants on like one leg is kind of too loose with the Ugg boots <laughs> falling down to the side. And, you know, but you're there. You're there. You're at the soccer game. But, you know, more people are still more adamant about taking an external bath or shower. But isn't the inside more important? Mm-hmm. You know, this is an important time to hydrate your cells, your organs, your tissues. And here's a really powerful thing a lot of people don't know is that there's something called water-induced thermogenesis. And basically what this uh, concept has revealed is that by drinking a certain amount of water, specifically 16 ounces in the study, or it's 15 or 16 ounces, triggers your metabolism to turn up and actually start burning more calories just from drinking water, 
Oh. All right. So we get that benefit of kind of jumpstarting that metabolism in the morning. But also, and most importantly, is that when you're sleeping the night before, when you get up, this is one of your most dehydrated states you can be in outside of like exercise or walking around in the desert because your body has done so many processes while you're sleeping and a lot of metabolic waste have been created. And so getting up and drinking water helps to flush all of that stuff out and really start you in a somewhat of a clean slate to start the day, you know? So if you could take that one thing and employ that, you know, for the next few weeks or, you know, and carry that on, because for me, it just started as a day yep. and it turned into 15 years, you know, and I feel so good about it. Like it just is one of those things where I don't know what it's like to not feel good 99.9% of the time, you know, and I know that those small habits, so that, and also making sure that you're just getting a little bit of of time to work on your your inner your inner guidance system because shows like this help to fill up your cup. Yep. Shows like this pour into you and remind you how valuable you are. You have to have that constant uh, affirmation because in our world today you can get distracted from it. You know, it's like the Zig Ziglar quote. He said, um, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but he said we recommend motivation daily. It's like bathing. All right. So each day the bathing is going to wear off, but you need to, So you need to take another one. Right. Yep. Same thing. The motivation is going to wear off. You need to have more coming in, you know. And so just something to remind you how special you are, remind you of your value. Have some time for that, whether it's reading in a book, checking out, you know, Oprah's soul, whatever, soul Sunday, you know, what having a conversation with a, a friend who really fills you up. That's what it's all about. You got to do it. that daily. You have to. Yes. And then, and it's that consistency. And I love this because these are simple things. These are simple things. It does not have to be complicated. And I want to shift gears here because this is, well, I'm shifting gears, but it's also pretty much along the same wavelength of just improved quality of life and improved health, which is having healthy relationships. Mm. And I know that you did an episode on this recently, which we'll link up to in the show notes. Uh, but you identified some, some, the like red flags or uh, things that, like when you know it's time to go in terms of a relationship. Can you talk a little bit about those and then just what you've learned? Because you have a, an amazing wife who I got the pleasure of meeting. And I know that your relationship is a huge priority in your life and contributes so much to your overall health and well being. So I'd love to just know what what you've learned about what it takes to create a healthy relationship. Awesome. Sure. So, you know, full disclosure, I didn't really have, I think it's important, this statement of if you can't see it, you can't be it, you know? So having examples of what's possible. Uh, when I was a kid, I'd stay with my grandma for a nice chunk of time, basically till I was in, uh, after second grade. And I got to see her and my grandfather and it was the most beautiful relationship, you know, like they were an, they were an entity. Mm. And then from there, that was it. You know, after I was out of the house and moved back in with my mother, it was just turmoil. Like I didn't, I didn't see another healthy relationship like at all. Like I cannot consciously think of one. I saw a lot of abuse, mm. not just within my own household, but you know, even my mom's friends, funny enough, she had friends who were in abusive relationships, like crazy, you know, it's just like this consistent pattern. Um, you know, I've never really shared this story before, but, uh, one of her friends, she actually had gotten out of an abusive relationship. She was, everybody knows Tina Turner, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so Tina Turner 
had the whole situation with Ike Turner and the abuse and she kind of really, you know, stood up and, you know, got out of it. But one of Tina's best friends was my is my aunt. Mm. And so she was in the same kind of circumstance with one of Ike's band members. All right. Wow. And so but just after enough was enough. But that was still like my mom was in that sphere of like seeing this, this pattern with abuse. And so that's those are my models. And then with guys just seeing a lot of, you know, manipulation and, you know, just, you know, I, I was terrible to be, you know, straight about it. Like I was I was terrible until until I woke up. Right. And this was a part of my physical problem. Like when I was dealing with what really got me into the health space was getting diagnosed with this um, debilitating spinal condition, which I no longer have. But part of my transformation out of this situation that was supposed to be incurable was also addressing how I was conducting myself in my, how I was conducting myself in my relationships. Because I truly believe our relationships are the most influential thing on our health, on our, on our fitness, on our success in life, on our overall happiness. You know, humans are intrinsically social creatures and our environment with the people we associated with influences everything we do. We might think that we know we're big grownups now and it's just not that story like your mom's be like, well, if your friends jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, (laughs) would you, you know, but still today you're still influenced by your friends, your peers so much. And so with that said, I'm coming from a place where I had to figure this stuff out. And I think it's important that if something is important to you, you need to make it a study, right? You need to make it a study. So if you're struggling financially, you need to start studying uh, financially successful people and what they do. It's really that simple, you know, but how often do we do that? We don't really understand how close in proximity the solution is. And so for relationships, I began to make it a study. And now even one of my friends, the guy who wrote like the definitive book, like Men Are From Mars, Women From yeah. Venus, John Gray, you know, man, just being able to talk with him and to to learn from him has just been amazing. But prior to that, just again, making it a study, taking, you know, courses and reading books and these different things and also experimenting. Right. And so I have these couple of things to share now in no way, shape or form. Does this give you an out from your relationship just because there are these signs that you need to, to move on. This doesn't mean that this is the, that's the right thing you should do. Because the first thing is, have you actually, if this, if this relationship is important to you and it brings you a lot of value in your life, have you done the things necessary? Have you made the changes necessary? You know, because a lot of times we're pointing the fingers outwards when a lot of times it's us, right? And so just be mindful of that. But of course, if there's blatant like, abuse and just like that kind of stuff, obviously that's a given, but in the context of like, you know, not getting along, more arguments, not seeing eye to eye, not supporting like those kind of things. A lot of times there's a break in communication. And so these things, I want to have that caveat that I want you to be mindful of. Have you done the inner work necessary for yourself that you're showing up and the other person just literally after you've, you've really put the work in and they're not. So I'll just share a couple of them and just to be mindful of. So One of those is when you're staying in a relationship, totally expecting that they're going to change, right? So you're staying in the relationship expecting that they'll change, even though you're not happy, right? You got to take a really good look at this because, especially in the context of 
from a from a, a woman's perspective, again, working with thousands of women in my clinical practice, and also you know just hundreds of thousands at this point with everything that I've done, there's a greater draw to see potential in a guy, right? Like you know he's got potential. Mm-hmm. And he'll he'll change at some point. I'm gonna I'm gonna help him change. I'm gonna make him see the light, mm-hmm. or you know, just having this idea that, you know, he's gonna change at some point. I promise you, most of the time it doesn't happen. Right. And most of the time, if it does happen, it's not with you. All right. As as terrible as that might sound, we can't expect for another person. We can't. Here's the thing. Bottom line, you can't change anybody. Right. All change is an internal decision. Conditions can be created where it can support a change, but ultimately, and even with my wife, when I met her, I had decided that I wanted to be a good man. I decided that I'm willing to do whatever it takes mm. to, to stick with you and to figure this stuff out, you know? And so that was something I had beforehand. If she would have met me the year before, it would have been bad, <laughs> all right? It, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have turned out well for her, you know? But so keep that in mind, expecting that somebody's going to change when in reality, again, the only person you can change is yourself Exactly. and being the example, you can be a model, you can be an encouragement. But at the end of the day, if that's the reason you're sticking around, like, you know, one day they're going to change, you might be uh, getting an invitation to start to look elsewhere. Yes. Agree. So that's just one. Maybe we can go through one or two more. Yeah, let's uh, do two more and then we'll we'll link up to the show. Um and and I I just can't emphasize that enough and that's one of the big reasons we do the coaching episodes on the show is because the only person you can change is you and I have found though that the likelihood of someone else changing increases when they're around someone who is changing. And I mm. think we spend so much time trying, pointing our finger at another. And the best thing we can do is work on ourselves. And then you really know, like, if the person is going to do it or not, because it has to be intrinsic. Growth and change and healing has to be intrinsic. And yeah. I've, I've had lots of people in my life who've seen changes that I've made. And it's kind of like the When the Harry Met Sally video, I'll have what she's having. They see it and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks kind of good. But when you aren't changing yourself and you're pointing the finger at somebody else going, you should, you should, you should, and they're looking at you and your life (laughs) and Mm -hmm. going, wait a second, why should I be taking advice from you? You're not really walking the talk. So it's really being the change we want to see in the world, like Gandhi says, and that is the best way to influence others if they're going to be influenced at all. But sometimes people aren't ready. They're not ready. They're not ready to see. They're not ready to wake up. They're not. That's why I talk about how relationships have expiration dates, because sometimes you've walked as far as you can with somebody and it doesn't have to be abusive or toxic or bitter in any way. It just, it just is done because you're growing in different ways and in different directions. Exactly. And and by the way, also when, man, that's so powerful, but when, especially when you're first starting out with a change, you know, I believe there's basically three phases we go through. The first phase is the new phase, right? <laughs> when we're trying to do something different and ha- change to a positive habit. And when it's new, it's kind of like exciting and like, you know, oh, this is great going to the gym, you know, in your first week. Then we hit the discomfort phase, mm-hmm. right? Where we start, your brain is realizing like, wait a minute, I'm not going back to my old ways yet. This is uncomfortable. And we start seeing the self-sabotage process. Right. You no, know, Then we start to see an, an integration process 
and when it actually becomes a part of who you are. So when you're first changing and your loved one is seeing this and you're like, why are you not with me? Why are you not doing this with me or whatever? And they're just like, of course, they're caught off guard, probably. And for for you to understand, like, a lot of issues are like, and I know this from firsthand experience, this was a big thing that I would use is like, why are you not with me on this? You know, when in reality, I didn't even recruit them. Yeah. You know, I didn't recruit my wife to to do this with me or to support me on this or why are you not supporting me? I got to support myself and prove myself first. And I'm serious. Yep. You know, in my, in my professional opinion, you know, um, but also that support can be found elsewhere temporarily or long-term, you know, especially if you're making a change and you're like trying to get healthy. So, you know, going to certain forums or, you know, Facebook groups and that kind of thing, or, you know, certain groups at the gym or whatever it might be, Yep. you know, you get that support somewhere else. And again, keep walking that path, go through the discomfort phase. And then they're probably going to start noticing and get interested. So, all right. So let's move on to another one here. Okay. Um, this one was huge for me as well. Uh, and this is another sign that you might need to move on or consider moving off your, from your relationship or a dramatic change needs to take place with it is when you keep being forced to justify their actions. All right. Mm. This is something I've definitely had a, uh, an issue with doing continuously, especially as you work on yourself and you develop, it was not my intention. I did not know that I was going to become more compassionate. You know, like I didn't set out when I got my health together and I wanted to, you know, help people get, you know, get their fitness together. I didn't expect that I was going to be more compassionate. Um, there's just kind of a side effect. And so, but being so compassionate and like, I'm constantly, especially if there's some kind of an issue or concern, I'm putting myself in the other person's point of view. And like looking at it from their perspective. But now the beautiful part is I see everybody. You know, I see everybody, even if it's just for a moment. But you know, like when somebody's bringing my food, I'm not just like nonchalant. Like I, I was totally asleep to all that stuff for a phase of my life. Now I see people and I put myself in their shoes and it's kind of an automatic thing. But that can also have a little bit of a dark side because when somebody does something harmful to me, and there was one situation, I'm not going to get too much in details, but it took three years for, for mm. me to finally say, that's enough. And this would happen like, you know, once every, at least once a month with this particular thing happening over. And it would like mess with my productivity or mess with my getting my, my content out for my audience. It just kept really throwing my life off. And I just kept justifying, you know, mm -hmm. like oh, they have this going on. It's just because that. And just making it sound right and hoping that they would change, right? Yep. Going back to that part. But they've showed me who they are, right? And so you should not have to continuously justify other people's actions. That's not your job. If somebody's doing something that hurts you, it's not your job to say, oh, well, they're, they're just hungry or whatever. Exactly. You know, exactly. You could be understanding, but at the same time, you don't have to allow that to be the norm. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like my Angelus quote, when someone shows you who they are, trust them the first time or something like that. I'm paraphrasing it, but it's like, when you see someone's true colors, be believe it <laughs> and, and, yes. and see it. So awesome. These are so great. Give us one more. Sure. Last one. And again, there's so much juice we could extract from all of these, but, uh, and there's many more to cover, but the last one I'll share is <sighs> simply and again, this is looking at when you might need to move on from a relationship or there needs to be some significant changes. 
is when your values simply don't align. Mm-hmm. All right. When your values simply don't align. That's one of the collective things that keeps people moving forward together, whether it's in friendship, intimate relationships, even as a family, is when you have a certain cord of core values that are, you know, um, synonymous or that that integrate with each other. It doesn't have to be the exact same things, but very similar values. And so if your values aren't aligning, and so in a context of a friendship, you know, maybe, you know, you value, uh, um, you know, family time and you value, um, you know, uh, monogamy, for example, mm-hmm. but your friend is very, you know, maybe they're frivolous and, you know, they're, they're hooking up with a lot of people, which in need, I'm not saying either is wrong, by the way. All right. But just if those things are matching up and it's creating a, uh, there's some discourse there, you know, maybe it's with your significant other who is like, why are you always hanging out with your single friend? And she's hooking up with guys and like, you know, you're taking an Uber back or whatever, like that might cause problems there. It might cause problems even with your communication, right? Because you're growing in this direction of building your family and they're growing in the direction of just like, you know, doing their thing. Right. And so it's just be mindful of that stuff. It doesn't mean again, you can't be friends, but the level of that friendship and also, you know, Keep in mind, too, when you're devoting your time into a relationship that's not working, you're giving somebody else really amazing. You're giving their seat away in your life. All right. You have to make room. And this is the big secret. I I really want to kind of close with this. Every single time, every time without fail for myself and the people that are around me, whenever they've made the decision, like, you know what, I, I really need to let this go. Every time when they've done that and they've done that in a a conscious, moral way, an ethical, like thoughtful way, somebody, something better came along and filled that space, right? Because it's also, it's standards. It's not, it just didn't work out. All right. There's a difference because if you're operating from that, you're going to get replaced with something similar each time. If you're not aware, like, what is this trying to teach me? What are my standards? What are my values? That seat is going to get filled with somebody far better. So allow yourself again, like you have to make room, you know? And so when your values aren't matching up, you know, maybe it's health related, maybe it's relationship related, um, you know, how you're investing money. There's so many different things, but collectively, if it's just like, there's so much distance there that things aren't, there's not a, um, resonance who might be a sign that we need to let that relationship go or make some big changes to it. Yep. Expiration date. Mm. Oh, well, one relationship I'm not letting go of is my connection with you because you're amazing. <laughs> and I will link this. What is the, the title of this episode where you give these eight different things? I will send it to you. So this Perfect. is return on, return on relationships. Perfect. ROR. Oh, I love that. Instead of ROI. How, how creative. Please tell people where they can listen to you, subscribe to your stuff, learn more from you, get your book, tell them all the things. Sure. So where people are listening to this incredible podcast that you've created, you could find me as well. It's called The Model Health Show. All right. So The Model Health Show. And we do master classes on every particular health related subject matter you can think of, you know, from uh, brain health to diabetes to uh, just general fat loss. We do it the best way possible. And you always walk away with tangible actionable strategies, all backed by sound science, everything. 
And so people can check out the Model Health Show or they can hit me up online. It's themodelhealthshow.com. All my social media is there. I'm pretty active on Instagram now. Um, and also, so Sleep Smarter, my book is there as well. And I'm very just grateful to say I'm actually looking down. I just got the book today, which Ooh. I guess is this is probably not a good way to treat the book, but I just got the a Chinese translation of Sleep Smarter that my microphone is sitting on. So, I love it. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. It's 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 holding you up. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and Sean has so much information on sleep, which is another one of those things that I think is one of the most self-honoring choices. Like, like, like the quote says, sleep, a good sleep and a good laugh. Those two things go a long way. So check out all his resources. He walks the talk. He's amazing. You're going to love his interviews. He's somebody that is not only a great person to interview, but he has amazing interviews on his podcast. And also the episode, Sean, when you just talk, those are, those are just as great. So Go check it out. It'll all be linked up in the show notes. And Sean, I just want to thank you and acknowledge you for the transformation that you have made in your own life. I love that you shared with us that you uh, you had to make some serious changes and do some self-reflection and realize that a lot of what you were doing in your life wasn't getting you the results you want. And you did the work to be honest with yourself and to make those changes. And now you're out here inspiring all of us. So thank you. Uh, I just close my eyes and listen to that and I receive it. Thank Aww. you. That means so much. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right, everybody, go check out Sean's show, his book, his website, everything. Follow him on Instagram. Let him know you listened to this episode and have a good laugh and a good sleep. Until next time, everybody. <laughs> 